This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall back with you, as always, alongside Zeke Boyat and Justin Bakke. One of the favorite shows of the season. It's time to speculate trades. We've got four games to recap. We've got a trade already to recap. A um, whole bunch to get to, and we will get there in just a minute. Um, but let's do as we always do and just check in with everyone. Justin, how are things going for you on this Thursday evening? Doing pretty good. Uh, you know, my son's hockey season's over. So we're hitting a lull for another week or so, and then he starts spring hockey. But That's how it goes. Uh, yeah, doing well. Um, it's a busy work week for me. It's basically my Monday. Got to go to the Miko ceremony out of the blue, so you know it's been a good week. Absolutely has. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. Zeke, how you doing? You got the coffee in you tonight? Oh, uh, yeah. Matter of fact, I did. I went to yeah, uh, my dad for about an hour and a half before uh, this a few hours ago, so... Yeah, you know, as usual, I'm uh, raring to go. But yeah, otherwise, not. It's been a good week. Obviously, I mean, I mean, obviously, like I said, I was at three days at the hockey tournament last weekend. It was a lot of fun. But uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I could have, you know, I thought about going to buy a ticket to the game on Sunday. But honestly, I was just like, I don't want to go down to St. Paul again for the fourth day in a row. But uh, <laughs> and no, maybe still a little sad a from week. the day before as well. Yeah, it, it's too bad that. Uh, yeah, that did end up that way, but hey, it was a, uh, you know, you couldn't, you can't really ask for much more uh, in terms of fun entertainment value than what you got last weekend. So, uh, and it was probably a good distraction from, you know, I didn't see either of the wild games. So, uh, it was, uh, but no, it's been a, been a good last week since we last talked for sure. Yeah. Let, let's touch briefly on the state tournament. We won't spend too much time on class A, um, as, yeah. as most predicted, Hermantown. World, the one-two favorites from basically the preseason, go on face off in the championship. World wins, waters or not? Excuse me, Hermantown wins, water is wet. <clears throat> but this double A tournament, start to finish, just an absolute blast. I mean, mm-hmm. and from my memory, one of the best state tournaments I think I've watched in quite some time. Just so many close games. You had huge games from the guys like um, uh, Alex Bump of Prior Lake, who. Yep basically single-handedly won Prior Lake their their first-round matchup for an upset. You had, you know, Andover and Hill-Murray duel out a double overtime game with goals getting called back. And then, of course, you get a state championship game that, you know, basically was just trading jabs of goals for, you know, 
almost 80 minutes of, of, of play and just so much fun through and through. Andover ultimately comes out on top, uh, brings home the championship in both boys and girls in the same year, which is a pretty cool accomplishment for that town. But just an incredibly fun tournament through and through. Got to just, just see what, you know, even from I, like when I played, I mean, these kids have so much more skill than I remember when I played high school hockey. Just a treat to watch. And again, the atmosphere in the buildings seemed like it was electric. And Zeke, you might be able to speak a little more to that. Um, I wasn't able to go to any games, but yeah. wow, what a tournament! Well, I mean, yeah, no, obviously, obviously, every year it's uh, it's awesome. I mean, obviously, last year with pandemic and all that, it was, you know, there was probably about two thousand people in the building, and I mean, the one two years ago was pretty much the last event before everything got shut down. Yep. Uh, which you know, I can still I mean, that was two years ago. I can still remember that. Uh, I remember sitting in the restaurant uh, day after the first morning games, seeing alert for a first COVID case in the county that we were in because and I was like oh it's nothing but you know four days later we know what happened but right. yeah it was just awesome to be back in a rank you know everyone just having fun being relaxed and I think you mentioned about about the skill is you know a lot of times when you you know obviously with watching the wild and NHL and all this you know those guys are obviously the best of the best and you know a lot of times I just like to watch some of those guys just how they can you know even then how they skate how quick they are I mean like you mentioned all these all these kids and all these teams are all great skaters, even if they're not, you know, absolutely elite players. It's just, uh, it's, like I said, it's just pretty amazing to watch. Uh, I mean, you know, like you said, the Alex bump prior Lake, he's, you know, the first two goals he scored, we were, we we're kind of, our seats are kind of over in the corner up top there. I mean, that, uh, that, uh, I think it was the second one where he cut down the guy blasted wide and then cut in and went top shelf from in tight. And then after that blasted one top corner, just, one time it was, you know, he, he obviously was, was really, that was awesome to watch. And uh, yeah, like you said, just the crowd was great. I think they announced, announced attendance on Saturday night was like 18,150. And I think that was definitely the most attended game. Probably in fact, because it was on a Saturday, so maybe more people could come, but Absolutely. yeah, no, it, it, it's a blast, uh, you know, every year, like, like we said last week. And, and as you mentioned, the, the only game that wasn't really close was that prior late Cretan game at six nothing. But even then, you know, it was entertaining because of the fact mm-hmm. you had, you know, the one player who every time it's kind of like it was like Kreisov early on his time here when every time you get the puck, you know, you could kind of hear noise, people getting all excited. That was he had kind of a similar effect, which is obviously uh, really fun to watch. But yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was it was a blast, like you said. Uh, it's uh, not I could say hard to remember. Uh, you know, that many close games, that yeah. much overtime drama, et cetera. Right. And we were told from the start of the, the double A tournament, this, all the C, all the teams were close and any one of them could win it. And we kind of saw, you know, yeah, it's, the results. Yeah, it was the five and the three in the championship, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Something yes. like that. Yeah. But it, the results showed how evenly matched all these teams were it all the way down to the championship game where, you know, goes to overtime, I didn't want that that tournament to end. It was just so much <laughs> right. fun to watch. Yeah, like, I mean, what a finale! Watching, yeah, I was watching with my kids and playing mini sticks, just having a ball. So you know, it was maybe the first tournament my oldest will remember, and, and just you know, it was just fun to watch all around. Absolutely. Well, best of luck to all the seniors that will have, uh, you know, college mm-hmm. careers coming up or junior careers in the hopes of one day playing college. Um, best of luck to all the returning high school players next year um, as well. And, and thank you from, I think, every Minnesota hockey fan for putting on this another absolute show um, for all the Minnesota hockey fans. Um, then, before we I get will, into... Can I add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, just uh, uh, the other 
this is kind of more on me, but uh, you know, the, the one bad thing about this from every year is the absurd amount of money I spend on food uh, <laughs> at the game. So I have not looked at my oh, uh, account to see how much I've spent. Considering <laughs> every time you go up there, if you want, if you want something to eat and a drink, that's like ten bucks right away. And yep. So yeah, I don't. But uh, it was a it's basically a holiday weekend to a lot of us. So very true. Got to have some fun. So. Yeah. Before we get into the meat of the show, we do want to make an announcement here at the top just to get you guys pumped uh, for next week's show. Yes. We did tease this a little bit on the podcast account. Not sure how many of you saw it because <laughs> the time of day we tweeted it was a little, a little strange, a little, kind of in the middle of the morning. But um, next week's podcast, we will have Minnesota Wild and Mankato and White Bear Lake legend Ryan Carter joining the podcast to discuss Minnesota Wild hockey, probably discuss some of the games, any more potential moves they may make at the deadline. Um, he'll help he'll help me preview the Mankato uh, destiny trip to the championship for the NCAA tournament to to get with these two bulldog guys. We'll even the score there. It should be a super fun show. Uh, we'll have a tweet out Monday as well. Um, you can send Ryan some some fan or listener questions. He said he'd be open to taking those as well. So pumped to have Carter coming on this show. So just wanted to get that out there. Um, he's gonna push push for probably one of the top guests we've had on the show so far. So really excited. Awesome. Yep, it's exciting every time we get a, a big time guest. Uh, what Scott Wheeler was our first, and just every time we get someone, it's it's super exciting, and and we hope you guys enjoy listening to that episode. Yeah, so, look yeah, forward to that. that. Awesome. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this week's show. And Justin, we'll uh, we'll start it off with you with the uh, prospect update. All right, we'll we'll kind of go from the good to the bad to the obvious. Um, Damon Hunt got hurt blocking a shot this past weekend. We're not sure of the severity of it quite yet, but uh, he was down for a couple minutes, it sounds like, uh, per Spokesy. But, I mean, he's had a good run of, of points lately. So um, it's the second time he's gotten hurt this year, so hopefully it's not too severe. Um, it, it always tough seeing prospects miss time. Um, Carson Lambos has had a good past few games, picking up five points in his past four, uh, all assists, continues his hot season for Winnipeg. Uh, Iowa split their season ser- uh, series with the Silver Knights, which is the Golden Knights, his uh, AHL team, uh, basically kicked the crap out of them the first night, and then they returned yeah, the favor the second night. Yeah, team's playing yeah. in the NHL, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan O'Rourke had a good week with three points, three games. He's filled the stat sheet like he always does with shots and hits and penalty minutes. So uh, kind of what you can expect from him with the, the type of game he plays. Uh, Simon Johansson had a couple more points, continues his good season in Liga. And we've mentioned this before, but it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do at season's end with him because he might be an intriguing signing uh, to throw in Iowa. Absolutely. Uh, last news it's the obvious news uh mcbain trades continue to heat up sounds like there's multiple teams eager to sign him uh we may get more than the asking price of a second we may get a second plus who knows we'll see where this goes but uh for a guy drafted in the third round and had a good senior season okay freshman through junior seasons it it's quite uh appealing as much as we want him here to get you know, your bang for your buck from him will be even better. Uh, yeah, he did I have saw. another. Yeah, sorry, I was gonna say he just had another great oh, week with four points in two games. Yep. Good stuff. BC Jack, season is over. Drive your price up for us. Yep. Yeah, yeah. BC season is over, but he finished it out very strong. <laughs> yeah, funny a comment I saw on a reply to one of Byron Bader's posts was from uh, at Joseph Nowariak on Twitter, who's a 
yeah, you probably, a lot of us probably know from Wild Twitter. He said maybe size to a GM at the trade deadline is like a full moon to a werewolf. They just don't have any control. <laughs> yeah. So it's like keep, keep yeah it up, maybe. Yeah, but, I, had, uh, I had said something similar um, also to Byron. I think this is probably a week and a half ago. He just tweeted out yeah. like when it came out that like all oh, the asking price for Jack McBain is a second, and he posted kind of his projection chart. He's like, yeah, I would not advise that. Um, and had all these stats, and I just zoomed in on his height and highlighted 6'3", and I said, what are you talking about? It's worth a first. Um, and sure enough, yep. here we are about a week and a half, two weeks later, and there's discussion of his price continuing to rise off yeah. of a second. We're not saying that's going to be a first, but we're also <laughs> not saying it couldn't be a first or like yeah. a second and a third or something. Um, right. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how his value is just skyrocketing. And I think Bill Guerin's in a great spot where Justin, as you say, you know, kind of a breakout season. It seems like a sell high to me because, um, you know, we know how big that jump can be from, you know, good senior college player to, you know, where are you at next? And I think the easy thing to go is, well, Bowley put up really good numbers too. And it's like, yeah, as, as a freshman, right? Like not, not a senior. This wasn't a guy who had played 40 years in college as a freshman. It's a huge difference in that skill gap and that development curve. Like, imagine if Boldy was still playing college hockey right now. It would be lighting it on fire. Um, so I would say that's the other thing to kind of, like, remind yourself of is, like, how to evaluate a senior different than a freshman. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, man, it'll, it'll be uh, interesting to see where, where, this, where the end game is. But uh, from the sounds of it, I've seen uh, Boston, Montreal, Arizona, Montreal, Winnipeg, Anaheim all – mentioned under him i mean we've heard before that there's a couple dozen teams interested but the actual team names are starting to kind of pop out there a little bit mm-hmm. i, I kind of like uh, what garen said i don't want to give away russo's article but i love this quote on what garen said i got to pull it up here but he basically said uh he told mcbain's advisors that he had better come to him with multiple options or he'll make mcbain wait to sign an entry-level contract as a free agent in august so he's really not if you have kids cover their ears he's yeah. not fucking, he's not fucking around well, i was about to say i uh i would imagine there might have been some actual f-bombs and what actually agent like hey you better give me a fucking list or he's gonna be waiting all summer yeah. <laughs> i imagine that was something along the lines of what was said to mcbain's mm-hmm. agent but um yeah we'll see what happens i think that's if I had, you know, we'll talk trades more um, here in a little bit. Um, but I think if there was one trade that we can pretty much like, if there was betting odds on it, I would put whatever I, I would put a lot of money on that happening. There's there's yeah, a good yep. chance Jack McBrain's traded. Someone's gonna bite, um, and 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 he, and they're gonna get a good return. Um, let let's do a prediction here and just just to see about where you think he'll go and where the return uh, ends up. I think Montreal, and I think it might end up being could be a second in a prospect or like two seconds or something like that okay it's just a guess <laughs> zeke i'm going high um i think i don't know i guess i'll just go difference for different sake i'll say arizona for second since they have their you know billion second round picks that they acquired for bad contracts uh, so i guess that's that's what i'll say yeah i lean arizona as well i believe they have five second round picks in this upcoming draft and i think Jesus. like two more next year um in addition to i think pretty sure they have like three or four firsts i think some more mid-round picks too so i would guess arizona for probably like what will end up being like a middle-ish second round pick i don't i can't even keep track of what teams they have um anymore maybe like philly's second um and then maybe like an additional third or a fourth if that bidding war gets going but 
Yep. Either way, if it goes to any of those teams and that's the return, I think we'll be pretty happy because as we could we know, you know, who's Nadinov, Pert, um and then who was in year one? Uh, I've been who's enough, and there was Pert and who is it a, they have two O'Rourke, seconds? O'Rourke. O'Rourke. Yes. Yeah, yes. I've been the last, you know, second round picks under Judd Brackett and Bill Guerin. Mm-hmm. So um all guys that project to be potential middle lineup NHLers. So yeah. Pretty good value to get a, yeah. a second rounder for a guy that was a bottom of the lineup type player. So we'll see what happens. And part of part of the reason I say Montreal is because I feel like we've have kind of a relationship with them already. I know they got pit like they claimed him from us and then uh, Hammond, we traded Hammond to them, so I, I kind of feel like Garen has a little bit of a working relationship it's with possible. Montreal. Well, speaking so. of working, re- <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of working relationships, other GMs, um, Bill Garen went back to um, an old friend in Joe Sackick and made a trade that collectively shattered my heart into a thousand pieces. Um, a day after it was shattered to a thousand pieces by the retirement Miko Koivu, um, and that was sending podcast favorite Nico Sturm. RIP the Sturm warning to Colorado in exchange for Tyson Jost, a 23? 16. 2016. Oh, he's, what is he, 20? Yeah, I think he just turned 24. Oh, you're talking yeah, about so 20, I think he's 24. 24, 24 yeah. 24-year-old center. Mm. It's a 10th overall pick in um, as of now on the fourth line, but it sounds like that'll change down the road and we can get to that in a minute. But just, um, just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts, um, just on the, your initial, like your gut reaction to the trade. And now that you've had, you know, a couple days to kind of sit on it, um, kind of where you feel in terms of the trade that, uh, Bill Guerin made. I mean, when I first saw it, my heart shattered for you. Uh, I, I love Nico too, but I know you really I had about 10 minutes five minutes yeah. of the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you. he really had an affinity for him, but yeah, I mean, I'll miss him. He was fun to watch a good college free agent signing for us and fun to watch him go from undrafted college free agent to having a good role on the fourth line, sometimes third line. But um, we knew this was kind of coming that we more than likely weren't able to sign him. So, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty excited to see what Jost can do for us. I know he hasn't really penned out in Colorado. They kind of had him buried because of how deep they are, how good they are. Um, it'll be cool to see what he can do with us, maybe with a, a, a role that's a little above where he was at. Um, if anything, I feel like he has more upside. Just He was a former top 10 pick, which doesn't always mean anything, but he definitely has the, the skill to hopefully make a difference down the road. If, if he gets put in the right position, um, I'm not going to put too much eggs in one basket to, uh, and over like hype him, but mm-hmm. you know, he's got more upside. I feel like, yeah, Zeke? yeah, I think it, yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, you know, as we said, uh, we've kind of been a foregone conclusion, I guess, for a few months now, uh, that you know, they Sturm wasn't going to come back. Uh, you know, I think we did see Brett tweeted out from uh, one of the Roosters articles or someone athletic that he turned down a kind of a longer term extension at a kind of a lower team friendly price, you know, partially probably in fact that he wants maybe to go somewhere where he's going to have an opportunity to play more. So I think, yep. you know, this is just, a, you know, as everyone has said, just a, a opportunity for him to get in a better situation and maybe an opportunity for Joe's to get a better situation and get out of Colorado and like Brett said, maybe get a better chance uh, here in Minnesota. But 
I mean, yeah, obviously he hasn't, like Justin mentioned, he hasn't, you know, scored a ton in the NHL. I think he's been a solid penalty killer. Like, he does have a little bit more natural skill than maybe Nico Sturm does, even if, though, he isn't a great face-off guy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, like Bill Grant said, I think, if he, you know, it was a kind of just one of those trades where it's, you know, change of scenery for both guys. Uh, like you guys said, ten, former 10th overall pick. So, you know, I think it's kind of a low-risk thing. I mean, that, they were obviously weren't going to keep Sturm. You know, you got a player for him that, you know, maybe at his, if he finds, you know, some, you know, gets some, recognizes some of the skill that he had as a prospect in terms of a little bit more of an offensive player here, uh, you know, that would obviously be great for the Wild. But even if he just is kind of is what he is and he's a solid fourth line, bottom six guy, kill penalties, you know, you got a, a decent a decent player at two million for the next year if you choose to keep him. So it's kind of a, you know, it's just a, it's just a kind of a, you know, low risk situation, you know, decent trade, I think. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, uh, it's nothing spectacular, but uh, I think he was uh, obviously, like I said, first round pick. So uh, hopefully, obviously, I'm assuming that's the wild of thinking is that, you know, from their standpoint of view, that maybe they can get a little bit more out of him than they were able to in Denver. Yeah. And I think, Zeke, I'm in a very similar boat to you. Um, like, my initial thought was like, this kind of seems like a wash. Um, <clears throat> like, yeah, yeah, we kind of mm-hmm. traded for the same player. And then as I've kind of sat on it a little bit since the trade happened on uh, on Tuesday afternoon, I thought about it more, and I, I think it, it's a no-lose situation for the Wild because, um, and Zeke, your, your fellow writer over at 10K Rinks in front of the pod, Tony Abbott, had a really good article on 10K Rinks about just yep. um, how the Wild have had, especially this regime, have had a history of of you know tapping into you know players and being that are late bloomers. You know, Examples, Ryan Hartman, Kevin Fiala, Nino Niederreiter, Marcus Foligno, guys who have flourished later, kind of, you know, given the right coaching, put in the right situations. Um, and, and just citing that as, you know, a potential for something that could happen with someone that who has yo skill. And then he kind of went on at the end of the article just to kind of sum up, um, you know, kind of my initial thoughts on the trade is it's, they're, right now they're two very similar players, you know, a, a bottom six defensive first-minded forward, which... Z to your point where if that's all he ends up being, well, that's what you traded away and you got an extra year of it for $2 million knowing that you weren't going to get Nico Stern back. So like to mm-hmm. me, it just, there's really nothing that could make this, you know, unless Tyson Jost gets hurt, like, and doesn't play the rest of this season yeah. or like, you know, it gets a careering injury of some kind, which God forbid, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, it just seems like there's really no way they can really come out. Like looking back, Oh, we, we lost that trade. Um, you know, this is kind of where I feel because I, you know, given that Nico Sturm wouldn't extend in Minnesota, um, and looking at Colorado's down the middle with right now, it would be McKinnon, um, Kadri, Comfer, and Sturm, I believe. Um, I believe Kadri's a free agent after this year, but, um, you know, is there really a spot for him to move up in that lineup? Probably not. He's probably going to go to free agency, so they're not getting anything more than a rental out of Nico this year, where the Wild do get that extra year, so. I think it's a nice yeah. piece of work when it's all said and done by Bill Guerin. Right. No, I, I hope we can tap into his offense. He's always been an offensive player outside the NHL. The NHL is a whole different beast. Sometimes you have to accept a different role in order to make the NHL roster. But the fact that he's had years of, you know, being able to put up offense is, you know, maybe a good sign on something that we can tap into, like you guys mentioned. Yeah. And I think uh, just for a, uh... For, for Nico, too, I think, you know, like you mentioned, Brett, probably they're not going to stick around in Colorado. But, you know, for now, it's, you know, maybe a pretty good deal in that standpoint. You go to a team that might win a Stanley Cup. And then, you know, if 
you know, if they do go on to win that Stanley Cup and, you know, you, and he ends up with it with the ring and a chance to go into free agency and make some money, uh, actually probably uh, it was going to work out fairly well for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say the last kind of unsung win in this trade is that is the most civil I've ever seen Minnesota Wild and Avalanche <laughs> fans in my life yep. on mm-hmm. Tuesday on Twitter. Just just constantly like, hey, you're going to love this guy. Take care of him. You know, here's the memes we associate with him. Of course, our stir morning. Yeah. Uh, they have Tyson. I think it was Tyson Tuesdays is their big thing. Um, but it sounds like, too, the, you know, we talked about them being similar players on the ice. It sounds like they're similar characters off the ice. Guys that are very good with the media, very good quotes, um, very good in the locker room. Um, you know, we saw, if you saw the clip, uh, Jost. Um, mm-hmm. Got to read the lineup card yesterday, and s- some thought it was a little weird. I think the players thought it was hilarious in a good way just to, I think, maybe kind of shake some of those jitters of, of, you know, being in a not only a brand-new locker room but a locker room of a team that you're, you know, just bitter rivals with and have probably, you know, there's probably some guys that you don't like, right, from playing in mm-hmm. the past. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. You know, it's always, you know, these, this is a good type of trade. You know, Bill Guerin talks about wanting to make hockey trades, um, trades that are fair for both teams, and we saw last year, um, him make the swappy and Cole and Greg Patteron, um, you know, maybe not player wise, it wasn't equal, but it freed up some cap space, which Colorado needed at the time too. So, and it's great to have these, you know, relationships where you're not trying to fleece one another, win a trade per se, help each other out. So you can continue to make deals down the road and don't lose out on, on trading partners. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess that's a nice transition kind of into our next segment here, which will just be kind of our weekly recap. We'll work backwards um, a little bit just because we're on the topic of Tyson Jost. Just kind of want to get your guys' first impression of his game last night before we talk about the rest of the team. Um, ended up centering the fourth line in between Brandon Duhame, who uh, the two apparently played like peewee hockey essentially together, it sounds like, mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, and then Nick Bukestead as well. Um, nothing spectacular. Their expected goals, I think, was something like 9%. They basically didn't spend a whole lot of time in the offensive zone. Um, and he's about 40% of his face-offs. Not sure he had a shot on goal. So, like, wasn't anything, like, eye-popping. But from an eye-test perspective, engaged. Um, I think he threw around three hits, which was good to see. For You know, he's not a huge guy. Definitely not, you know, the 6'3 that Nico Sturm is. But I thought yeah. overall for being, you know, your first game, and the day after you're traded, to come out there, you know, brand-new systems, teammates, and all that, I thought it was a, a decent debut for him. Yeah, I mean – like you mentioned, his face-offs weren't good, but I felt like his skating was pretty good uh, from memory. And then it seemed like he wasn't afraid to go along the boards, try to get the puck, take a hit. I mean, he took a pretty good, uh, I feel like, back hit from, uh, I can't remember who it was, but I was like, oh, he's, he's <laughs> he he got the worst end of that one. But, yeah, he, he was wasn't afraid. He was the business recoil all game, too. Yeah. yeah. Especially that one shift. What, why did he ever do... Why didn't he? I saw him play. He was being physical, coilless last night. It's like, where was that when you were here? Like, uh, ever? Like, <laughs> it was in spurts. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, I want to circle back to the Boston game at the end because I want to end on, on a good okay. note. Um, so let's talk um, about the games after our show last week. So starts off in just a game that was just sheer chaos um, against the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, that game had everything from it was high scoring, there was terrible goaltending, the special team sucked again. Um, Kemp Talbot tried to fight a guy. We thought Matt Dumba might get suspended. Um, like It was just sheer chaos. Um, and it ultimately ends with the Wild once again battling back from a deficit um, and bringing home a shootout winner. But just an insane game start to finish. Just so much happening in that game. Yeah, I mean, it was... 
it was entertaining. It was frustrating. It was exciting. You kind of had all the emotions going because, you know, you you start the game off, you get the lead, then you go down four to two, and then you end up coming back, scoring three straight goals, take the lead. You're like, it was one. You just know that this it was is one zero, go one one, yeah. two one wild, two two, three two Detroit, four two Detroit, four three Detroit, four four Detroit, five four Minnesota, five five. And then it goes to the shit yeah. in the end. Like just you, you just knew at the end when they they uh I just knew they were gonna tie it for some reason. I had a gut feeling I was like this thing's going to overtime. Like mm-hmm. this game has everything in it, so why not add overtime and a shootout to it? So but it was good to come out on top and and get a, a couple points that we need with you know, kind of Nashville and St. Louis passing us and trying to stick with those guys. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously I'll kind of leave the majority of it to you guys since I didn't really see any of these two games. But, I mean, like you said, it just seemed to be, you know, not a whole lot of, you know, like some of the Wild games recently, not a whole lot of defense. I mean, I think that's obviously Detroit has the rookie and most siders been fantastic, but it seems like they have similar problems. They have a lot of good young offensive skill, but, you know, not really a polished back there. And, I mean, obviously, you know, we said Tam- Cam Talbot wasn't great, but I think uh, – from watching the highlights, it, for some reason, I mean, Alex Delkovic, he was pretty good to start the year, but it seems like the last two months that guy has just not been able to stop the puck either. And uh, obviously, like you guys said, five. Well, hard five, to stop five, the five, puck when Jewel Erickson Eck is sniping you from the neutral zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was. Oh, well, that was amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love that. Let it roll into the corner. I mean, think about this. That goal, I mean, I'll, obviously a lot can change, you know, but that goal yeah. essentially cost Detroit the game. They're not actually yeah. the standings. Uh, okay. For those that didn't see it, basically, um, I believe it was Matt Dumba from like basically the Wild's own blue line, like kind of does this slap pass. Um, the grief squad was like kind of at the end of his shift, needed a change, so Dumba just kind of slap passes it to Eck, who just kind of tips it into the zone. This puck is going five feet wide of the net, bouncing. Like if you're a goalie, like it's one, you just let it go, like let it bounce in the corner. While they're going for a change, there was no one coming into the zone. And Nadelkovich goes like baseball paddle swing this thing out of the air. And he basically foul tips it in between his own legs from five feet right of the net. Foul tips it between his legs into the net. And Eric Chanette gets probably the easiest amazing. goal he'll ever score in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to show how physical this game was, the hit through 38 to 37 in the Wilds' favor. Um, it, was, it was just chaos for a lot of that game between the, the scrums and the hits and and some of the stuff that went on. Yeah, and then um, you know, and and then it moved into Friday night's game, and as we've kind of seen before, after a game of the Wild play really loose, um, defensively or offensively, defensively, they come back and play a tight checking game the following night. Um, they did just that with the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, a game they dominated from start to finish, and unfortunately ended up on the wrong side of the shootout, losing this one, um, unable to score on three attempts in the shootout. Um, outshoot Columbus 38 to 28. I believe they had the expected goals advantage. Only allowed, I believe, to six shot attempts in the second period. And Columbus pulled to Minnesota, pulled the goalie late, um, get an empty or get a goal with the goalie pulled, end up ultimately taking to the shootout winning. But it was one of those games where it's just, you know, there had been so many games like, yep, the Wild deserved to lose that one. And it just felt like mm-hmm. that one was like, man, like they did all the right things. Yeah. Like Talbot played fine. Or was it Kacken? It might have been Kacken in that night. I think believe it was. 
Um, like Kak didn't seem like he was seeing the puck well. Like everything just seemed to go right except for that last little bit. Um, Marcus Foligno obviously sticks out his yeah. leg late, um, doesn't get called. But that moment, I think, kind of shifted the momentum a little bit for the Blues or the Blue Jackets. It got a little ticked off um, and scored shortly after. Thankfully, Foligno doesn't get in it, you know the suspension as he probably should have um, for a pretty deliberate knee on, on Jakob Voracek. Um, but the NHL's player safety wheel continues to spin. Um, thankfully, hasn't hurt the Wild because I thought back-to-back games, Dumbo and Foligno had had some potentials to uh, maybe get slapped with the suspension. Um, and the only thing that came out, it was a $5,000 Felino fine. So, Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. I was just going to say, you already said it, but it felt like the turning point to that one, even though it wasn't the last 30 minute, two minutes, 30 seconds, whatever, was when mm-hmm. Felino hurt Borchek. It just felt like Columbus played hard. They tied the game. You just, I had I had a feeling they were going to lose after that because Columbus was fired up after that injury and, and ended up uh, being right about it. Mm-hmm. It was good to get a point, but that was a game where I felt like we, we could have had two. Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, didn't watch the game either, but from what it seemed like, it was, uh, you know, a kind of similar one in that, you know, they, they played well good enough to win. They were the better team, but they just didn't get the uh, separator goal in the third period there to go up by two, which would have kind of put the game out of the reach. And then the one mistake, I think it was Brodine or whoever tried to clear it got yep, blocked. Yeah, and Pretty much. After yeah, the Wild won a faceoff, so. too. Just like yeah. <laughs> things that just don't typically happen, right? Like the team, like the Wild outplaying a team, winning a faceoff, mm-hmm. Brodine making a mistake, Kakinen playing yeah. well. Like all the things that usually don't happen. Um, like it was just a, a what can go wrong will go wrong situation for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that was that game. Um, it seemed like the Wild had maybe, you know, started to build some good momentum. You know, they had a win over the Rangers. They get a win over Detroit, you know, play a good game, get a point against Columbus, and they got a big game coming up on Nashville, Koivu retirement night, and they just... Um, before we get to the game, we can talk a little about the Koivu retirement. Um, absolutely terrific ceremony. Um, tons of wild players there, and I think, you know, I don't think... I know I didn't. I mean, Miko Koivu is known for being this stoic leader who the only emotion you really see him show a lot of times is, like, anger or frustration mm-hmm. or like you know maybe a little bit of excitement after a goal but he's not a guy that's known for being emotional and multiple times throughout the evening um you saw tears in his eyes like nearly mm-hmm. sobbing um, when talking about his kids and when the banner went up and waterworks for myself and i'm sure lots of other wild fans but just a really cool ceremony and i think you could really tell how much um that number going to the rafters meant to him and, and the wild recognizing the legacy that he has left and will leave in Minnesota. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job presentation, everything. Uh, I was lucky enough. My neighbor had an extra ticket, invited me last minute to go. So I got to witness it in person and awesome. uh, it was something I really wanted to do. I just didn't think I was going to be able to, but I was glad I was able to be there in person because it, it was Something that's uh, maybe once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, not, but uh, I-, I wanted to be there for that one because he was my favorite player. Obviously, I named my son after him a little bit, just the first name. And um, I was able to get a couple items for my son when he's older. And, you know, they just did a good job. It was cool to see guys like Pierre Marc Bouchard there again and and Nicholas Backstrom and, and some of the old gang showing up for, for their mm-hmm. old buddy. So. Yeah. 
Chris yeah, Stewart, no, the think... legendary Stewie Sprint, among the others in the yeah. audience. Kyle Brodziak. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. like just some of these like random players. Like I forgot yeah. that guy ever played for us. Yeah, I, think, I, I uh, thought it was. I think I heard that the uh, Clayton Stoner was there. Yep, too. Clayton Stoner oh, was there. Like, yeah, like, holy crap! I, I thought it was kind of funny when they. I think um, Willie Mitchell might have been like one wow. of the people that was there. Obviously Carter just, Walls. Yeah, but yeah. just just cool. No, I kind of thought uh, it was. I thought it was kind of funny when they announced Granlin, like saying thanks for being here, and the crowd was kind of like, oh, boo. and then they're like, oh, ah, just kidding. Yeah, ah. We love you, Granny. <laughs> we got Fiala yeah. for you, all right. Yeah. Yes, it was, but no, I think not much to add for me. I think it was awesome. You know, obviously, uh, you know, it was really cool. I see he's talking about his three kids, you know, he's, and he started to tear up. I think that was probably the one of the coolest parts. Then, obviously, when, you know, they all went over to watch the, banner go up to the rivers you could see you know his lip quivering trying you know pretty much not to cry so obviously that you know that's very cool i'm just you know like you guys we've said many times like everyone said many times how much you know he means to this team and how much the team meant to him and uh, obviously it's just really cool because every time you go in you go into the hex now for anything you're going to see that number hanging there it's going to be there pretty much until you know when I, until the end of time for, for all we know and uh it's just really cool and uh yeah, obviously, not the you know not the ideal uh, way that the game went, but uh, I think you know I one thing I will say with the ceremony, I think it was good that you know obviously they only had I think it was Craig Leopold, the owner of the Wild, and then Miko himself do speeches. I thought instead of you know making it drag on, making it like yep. you know an hour long thing, we're having thought that was really good. Just have it be a not really short, but kind of more short and sweet, and uh, just focus on the actual uh, you know. Uh, on the actual through retirement and all that and uh, like you guys said i think it, it was obviously very well done especially for you know a team doing it for the first time technically in their history sure. and i would say the other moment that for me as a huge koibu fan that was so special you know as a guy who's seen this guy just torn to bits on wild twitter over oh he doesn't deserve Oof. this or he was so mediocre yes. that when he walked out for the whole x to erupt in a miko koibu chant to me it was like Okay, so there are, you know, this fan base does appreciate him as much as I hope he was. It, it was, that that to me was just such a cool moment to like, and just throughout the constant Miko chants and th- thank you Mikos and let's go Miko was, was really cool from, from from a perspective for me. And I've uh, I've also added another Koivu jersey to my collection up there that oh, I forgot I had at home. So Sweet. got, the, th- got the three over there now. Um, and yeah, we won't spend too much time on the game um, mm-hmm. as we alluded to. I guess like the biggest thing for me was I don't know what happened really in this game because... They came out flying. They get the first goal. They looked really good, basically, for, I thought, essentially the first 30 minutes of the game. And then Nashville gets this power play, gets their third goal of the game kind of late in the second period. And then it was just like the most sluggish, boring third period I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Result in two empty netters when it's all said and done. But just, it just like it was two totally different games. Like it felt like two totally different games. Just yeah. they seemed to just completely die in the second half of that game. Yeah, it just felt like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde <laughs> of games. Like like you mentioned, I mean, never really had never had the lead, but it, when it was 2-2, it certainly felt like we were playing well enough to, you know, maybe take that game over, and then it, it just never happened. Yeah. One thing led to another, and we just came out in the third and looked like crap, honestly. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's kind of been a problem recently. I was in the second period when, you know, Jordan Greenway made that nice play. And scored his goal by cutting down the middle and getting the shot right kind of inside. Scored a nice goal to tie it up. Uh, and I think that's been a problem recently where, you know, they 
momentum changing goal, they either tie it or back within one or take the lead. And then a minute, 30 seconds later, the puck's in the back of your net pretty much the other way. And uh, obviously after that, I mean, I think we saw that, I think Nashville had 20 more block shots than, uh, well, the Wild had more shots blocked than they had on goal that game. I think that was, you know, it was pretty much just the way it go, went that Yeah, game. Nashville had zero interest going. in playing offense in the third period. They no. got up by two and like, we're going to play defense. Mm-hmm. We're going <laughs> to block every shot, collapse in front of the net, <laughs> chip it out, and change. And it worked to a T. Yep. I hate I hate playing that way because I just think it's so risky because I think you suck the momentum out, but the Wild couldn't figure out a way around it. So Yeah. All right. Sure. Well, that was that game. Poor effort. Um, good moment for Miko. Um, but last night was an excellent game. Um, seems like everything got back on track um, for the Wild. You know, they, they go out and they put up essentially three. They did put up four at the empty net. Put up three goals against one of the stingiest teams in the league who had come in um, winning 10 of their last 14 games. I believe Swayman, the goaltender for Boston, had won nine straight. Um, they were without Bergeron, which is obviously a pretty big loss for them. Um, but they play a great game. Um, they get out early, 2-0, ties up 2-2. They, they bounce back. They get a massive goal from Jordan Greenway about halfway through the third on what Everson called like the one of the best shifts he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a great, it just felt like a great team effort, kind of all four lines. felt like they played well. I believe they held the Bruins to under two expected goals last night, which was awesome to see the defense kind of pick it up. Goligoski played one of his best games in a really long time, which they're going to need him down the stretch. Um, as we'll talk a little bit here in a little bit about, you know, the blue line. Um, and then just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to reiterate because I think probably you all have seen it by now, um, but just another dominant game for the grief for the grief line. 0.01 expected goals against last night. Um, 0.92 expected goals for at 5-on-5 five five in over 11 minutes of ice time. It's like a 98.6 expected goals percentage against the Boston Bruins. Like, just insane. Um, and I think they probably had something like 10 hits to go along with it. And then, of course, the big game-winning goal from Jordan Greenway, who has goals in back-to-back games and should probably have three in the last three as he had one disallowed against Detroit too. But, oh, no. Or three in the last four, I guess. He didn't score in Columbus. But, yeah, I just it was such a – it just felt like – it looked like the team that we were used to watching last night, which felt good. Yeah, and I think, you know, the obviously, like you know, like you said, Brett, the, the grief line was great. It was back to their, you know, like you said, physical, rough style. I mean, that, like you said, the third game winning goal in the third period was just typical hardworking goal, the, the kind that they had scored more of the first half of the year, but – think you know the you know the coolest thing was uh obviously there was russo had an article from the uh, crook Kaprizov's press presser the other day at practice and he basically said you know i'm pissed off we're not winning i haven't played good and then you know instead of you know, just being out there he went out there and you know like i said to uh, walk walk talk talk whatever and scored two really nice goals obviously the first one the power play through a screen but that second goal that play with that pass by Zuccarello first to find him <laughs> to the zone and then beautiful just that just that wrist shot like and he had and Zuccarello so I mean, sprung Caprice off yeah. earlier in the game too like on a great play a nice and save, yeah. um swim yep. made a great save yeah I felt like Caprice off could have had like four or five last night mm-hmm. well they had that one where he uh Zuccarello oh. took it to his skate yeah, and he just played soccer with it and then yeah. put it on a tee and <laughs> he beat the goalie but just the angle was just, just a little missed. bit too sharp oh. but mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I remember uh seen somewhere that Kaprizov said that uh, he wasn't mad about the, the hit earlier in the season, that that was months ago, that's a long time ago type thing, and comes out, mm-hmm. scores two goals, <laughs> Felino lays a big hit, Duhame fights Frederick. Oh. It was just, yeah. it was. I, uh, 
I want to talk a little bit that Felino hit early in the game because I think that really seemed to set the tone mm-hmm. kind of in the first period, right? I mean, it right. was a completely clean hit. Um, I believe it was on Connor Clifton kind of West behind Andy. the net, and he's kind of cr- coming around the net and had his head down a little bit and come to the last minute, saw Felino and kind of pulled up and just ran like straight into his shoulder, gets flattened, stick goes flying. The X was buzzing because Moose hit him. And then Duhame, you know, becomes a fan favorite at night by fighting Trent Frederick, which on Twitter I said I give Frederick props. He fought Kulikov yeah. in the game it happened, comes back, you know, the next game, accepts the fight from Duheim. It sounds like he was kind of turtling, running away from Felino, um, but hard to blame a guy for that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to fight Felino either. Um, but he answered for it, and I, the good thing was is they kind of let that aspect, I think, go. There was some more chippiness in the game, um, but I don't think it was any more because of the hit on Kaprizov. So good on him for, for accepting that fight and, and, and paying his dues for it. Good on, on Duhame for stepping in when he wouldn't fight Felino, and I'm um, just glad we were able to move on from that uh, finally and move on, people. It's in the past. Oh, they won the game. Right. <laughs> we'll say uh, it's nice to beat Boston because, uh, you know, it's not, this isn't about that incident, like you said, but uh, I can see why these last, these two games, why, you know, I've always wondered, you know, Toronto fans are crazy too, but why do them and all these other fan bases out, coast, out east hate them so much? Well, uh, when Brad Marsh and hacks a guy in the balls and you got people saying, well, he doesn't mean to do any of that. It's like, okay, come you on. Sure about that? it's Brad Marsh. It's Brad Marshall. Yeah. I like to see him get dragged by Matt Dumbo. That was fun. Yeah, and then I, I had a tweet about fun. like Coil cross checking Jost, and it wasn't like a screw Charlie no, Coil no. tweet. It was more like these official <laughs> suck kind of tweet. And all of a sudden, like six Bruins fans who I've never interacted with in my life are like coming at me. My I just blocked all of them. Like I don't, I'm not dealing with this. They all, you, all, you all have like 13 followers. Like I, you're probably bots. Like I, I'm not gonna. Give them the time of day. It's through blocks. Like, where's this coming from? Are they like searching like Coil Yost on Twitter? Like, what are you doing? Like, and it like it wasn't like Spokes or anything yeah. retweeted. Like, there's no one that like I didn't yeah. have a Boston no. follower that retweeted. It was just like, get a life. Random. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's that's sports fans on the internet. Yeah. Justin, anything else to add from uh, from last night? No, it was just good to see us play well like that again. And it, it was uh, almost a playoff field type game between two teams that mm-hmm. may be in the playoffs. I can't remember how Boston is doing, but they're always right there. Yep. Yeah, and, and, a, and a chance for the Wild to maybe go on a little bit of a run here. They get a Chicago team who is rumored to be sellers the deadline. So I've heard every name from like Dominic Kubalik to Brandon Hagel to Marc-Andre Fleury, Calvin DeHaan, like all these guys that who even knows if they play Saturday with the Monday trade deadline. Um, they get a Vegas team who we talked about at the top of the hour, like is basically Estimated. playing like half an AHL roster right now. Um, they have not played well. They've basically like are at risk of missing the, missing the playoffs at this point. Um, I don't know how many games they've won since Eichel's come in, but I don't think it's very many. Um, they don't, don't have Mark Stone in the lineup. I believe Pacioretty's oh. out. I believe Theodore might be out. Laner's out. Like they're missing a lot of guys. Um, and I believe this will be the Wild in Vegas. Is, is it their first meeting this year? Second? Uh, they played twice early in the year. Twi- I think. Oh, yeah. It was kind of back to back in a short time. I yeah. Think, right? Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So two very a winnable quick- games. And then you have Vancouver um, again next Thursday. Like there's some, you know, a chance for this team to kind of get right, get back on track. Um, you know, and maybe for some of these guys, especially the games against, you know, sh- this Chicago game, you know, might determine whether or not they, they stay on this team too. Um, so yep. a, a, a big week ahead. Yeah, the quick uh, score update for NHL games relevant. Uh, Dallas, unfortunately, did tie it and win in overtime in Montreal. 
but Nashville has given up two goals in the last minute to the Flyers and are probably about to lose in regulation. And Ooh, St. Louis huge. is trailing two to one to Pittsburgh after two. So uh, go Penguins! Uh, you know, with the, how tight the Central and the West is right now, uh, like you mentioned, Brett, pretty much every single point or game matters at this point. Right. So. And right now we're five points ahead of Dallas, and then yeah, I don't they know basically crumbled since they beat us, which yeah. has been nice to see. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's including tonight's game, so it may be three points, but we're tied with Nashville with one game in hand. So it'd be mm-hmm. a great to take advantage of that game in hand, and hopefully yeah, which, these if they lose, games, it'd, be, it'd become two yeah. games in hand then. So yeah, well that's huge. correct. Yeah. Yep. Huge. So huge. hopefully uh, these couple upcoming games aren't trap games for us and, and we play our game and not theirs and a brief non-hockey related score update um i, I had a, a, a thing come across my phone um a number two seeded kentucky uh lost to a 15 seed um in basketball so there's some parody this year which I, it didn't surprise me it it's always like tough like all right which there's going to be an upset just do you have the balls to pick it and i don't think that's the right. one i picked i picked no. <laughs> i think two of the one seeds going out in like the round of 32 i don't think i Took any of the one or twos out in the first round, but oh well. Saint probably yeah, probably no perfect brackets left. Yeah, wherever they are. Yeah. <laughs> they lost to St. Peter's. I've never heard of them. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, um, <laughs> who was the team that like became like America's team? <sighs> UMBC. Wow. Yeah, UMBC, like knows. the Retrievers. Like they go. <laughs> yeah. It's the Final Four, the Elite Eight, one year I think, but they just kept running, and like the whole nation was behind this team, and their Twitter account became like just insane yeah. you know probably mm-hmm. just being run by some you know athletics intern at the time <laughs> or something <laughs> maybe we'll have another story yep. like that this year but uh, Oof. the the predators game is now five four just so you guys know right. yeah sweet five That's seconds big. no overtime go. games yeah. no three-point games no nope. and uh blues penguins is two two now oh it's son of a bitch okay well that's fine barbish have a minute and a half into the period so Okay. Damn. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Let's pause there because I have a gut feeling that we're going to talk about trades for more than twelve minutes. Probably. <laughs> That's probably so, correct. <laughs> I'll, uh, that was forty-eight minutes of stuff. Wow. I felt like I just checked this Holy a little crap. bit ago and it was thirty, and all of a sudden it was forty-eight. Jeez. So yeah. I knew this was going <laughs> to be a long show. It was. It was. Okay. It, so was, like, it was known. Um, yep. but we'll, uh, we'll talk trades next. I might even split it into two episodes, be like, Hey, listen to this for like the normal weekly show. Listen to this for the trade, but I might throw them okay. all into one cause okay. I'm lazy too and don't want to edit everything. So Philly won, by the way, hey, so they they one. They're, right. they're all hugging Drew. I think they're knowing that this is his last game. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a big <laughs> week ahead for the wild, um, smashed in between those games between, uh, Vegas and Chicago is the NHL trade deadline, which you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's Monday at would be like 2 p.m. our time, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and we obviously talked at the top of the show. Um, the most likely thing that we're banking on happening is is Jack McBain being traded. Um, but I think there's this big question that kind of looms right now: is do the Wild look at you know another move? Um, obviously some of those chips have been pulled off the table with, um, Joe Pavelski and Thomas Hurdle, both re-signing, Mm -hmm. um, with their respective teams, two players we thought could be potentially targets, um, for this team. I think Hurdle was starting to kind of fade off of that given, you know, what his contract was going to be. Um, but Giroux, or, you know, um, Giroux kind of remains the one, 
up in the air. And, and from everything that I understand, it seems like um, that's all but a done deal with him going to Florida. Um, I would imagine maybe even as soon as tonight after all the 1,000th game stuff, we'll, we'll see that happen. But, um, so, you know, there's really no high-end centers out there anymore. Um, the Florida Panthers destroyed the defense market by giving up a haul for Ben Sherratt, which, thank God, <laughs> Bill Guerin did not do because they were rumored to be interested. I'm like, oh, please don't trade for Ben Sherratt. Please don't trade for Ben Sherratt. And, and here's the thing. It wasn't that I didn't want Ben Sherratt, like, not that I did, Price. but it was I did not want Ben Sherratt for that yeah, much. No. Like to put in perspective, essentially what they gave up was like our first round pick next year too. Not like, this year. Yeah, it's so like next year's first. I'm trying to think of who would be like a comparable forward prospect. Uh, um, is it back? Maybe not. Back no, there, not maybe? quite a backman. Yeah. Not not quite. Yeah, McBain. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, probably like basically Maybe, McBain yeah. a first and a fourth for a third pairing defenseman at best mm, yeah. who is yeah. big, right? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. but so that 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 aside, um, has there been any other like really big trades that have happened so far? That was kind of the major one. Uh, um, yarn croak is not a big trade, but that's yep, yarn croak to Calgary, um, and then uh, Josh Manson Toronto. from yeah. um, Anaheim to Colorado. Um, Drew Hellison, who I believe is a gopher, right? Uh, it was BC Boston College. Yeah. Boston College. Oh, yeah, yeah, one of Boldy's teammates. That's why it yeah. was familiar. Okay. Um, moves on to Colorado, or to Anaheim in that trade, along with, I think, a second? For second round pick, I think. Second round pick, I think, yeah. So yeah. the market's definitely high um, right now, which makes me, like, this is the why I want the wild upgrade, but it's like... I mean, mm-hmm. if the price for Ben Sherrod is that, like, I can't imagine whoever ends up trading for Drew, whether it's Colorado or Florida or St. Louis or wherever it ends up being. I mean, that is going to be a massive package. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phrasing, I, but <laughs> it seems kind of from what we've seen, I don't know. I think uh, Owen Tippett's being held out of the lineup. So I think it seems like him and a first round pick and something else. And I mean, he's a good young player, but I don't know if he's like a. Uh, well, Florida doesn't have prospect, a. But... Justin and I were talking about the hop. Florida does not own a first round pick until oh, 2024 because yeah, yeah. um, they just yeah. traded the one to Montreal mm-hmm. and then traded the other one to Buffalo for Sam Reinhart. Um, they give up less for him than Sherrod. Yeah, right? Isn't that insane? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. What are we doing? Um, it's it's We're weird. Like, it just it builds off like that crazy off like Tucker Pullman's of the world are getting like those three and a half million dollar <sighs> oh, contracts crap. in the off season yeah. and stuff like. Yikes. People love third pairing defensemen which like love or hate john merrill or dmitry kulikov like the deals they're on look pretty good comparatively oh yeah um to <laughs> others um so that's kind of a brief recap just kind of to set the stage for where things are at right now um talks continuing to heat up um it seems like it'll probably be busy this year we'll see again um if it's you know all the trades that happened before you know monday um, if it's a lot mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, potentially, or if all of it kind of goes down on Monday, um, that's yet to be seen. But we did want to take a little bit of time just to kind of discuss some of the names that have been thrown and kicked around in relation to the Wild. Um, before we get into that, I guess, just how aggressive, kind of give, kind of seeing the market now of kind of what some of this might cost. Let's take it from a twofold side. One, how aggressive do you think they will be versus how aggressive do you want them to be? Zeke, we'll, we can start with you. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, you don't want to be too aggressive. I, I mean, I personally, I guess, 
you know, I, I think just maybe my nature as a fan or just in general would, you know, maybe want to be a little more aggressive in terms of maybe looking for something, not necessarily, you know, in, in a sense of giving a lot up because, I mean, obviously, you know, Camp Talbot was fine last night, but, you know, I think, you know, it, it's kind of hard because we got with Fried, Friedman's 32 thoughts last night, he kind of put poo-poo on them trading for a goalie or even other guys will talk later. So, but I don't know, I feel like, in general, uh, you know, like usual, I'm fine with whatever Garen tries to do, but I think, I think you know, they could be maybe a little bit more aggressive without, you know, going fully over the top and making, you know, panic or rush move to try to fix something up. Even after, as Justin mentioned earlier, you know, he said you can't trade your way out of problems, but I think uh, I think there's definitely a couple spots in this team that, uh, you know, that maybe aren't wouldn't be like completely sexy moves that I think that they could, uh, I don't know, maybe just. Uh, I think they could be a little more aggressive, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Justin, where are you at? Well, I I want them to be aggressive but not overly aggressive. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like we will more than likely be buyers, but uh, I, I don't think it'll be anything high-end. I mean, we're more than likely not trading a first, which is good in my eyes. I, I don't want to. Garen said they're not trading a first unless it's like something very special. Um, how, I mean, that... I, just kind of shows how aggressive they might get like not being in the goalie market, not giving up a first. Um, I think if anything, it might be some depth type players that we go after. I don't know. If, I think Zeke might have said that, but I, I just, in my gut, I feel yeah. like it'll be a, a depth type player, like maybe a, a third pairing defenseman or maybe someone that can fill in if one of our top guys gets hurt, because we've seen what happens when like Dumb has been out or mm-hmm. one of the other guys, um, originally I thought possibly goalie, but yeah, like we've mentioned, that's kind of been put in the crapshoot. So, yeah. So 11 days ago, so on March 6th, we put out a poll, um, on sound the foghorn. This was amidst, I think this was like game seven of the losing streak somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, or it might, I think it might've been maybe after they won one or two, like the two games in there or something we asked, you know, as of yeah. this moment, what do you, what do you believe is the wild's biggest need, um, at the trade deadline? Um, 47% of the votes, um, almost 300 votes, said goalie. Um, 21% was a second at do nothing. Um, 19% said a center. 13% said a defense. Um, and Justin, I, I'm with you. And it, the Wild are in a weird spot. And you touched on you'd be interested in acquiring a defenseman that if they were to have a top four injury, that could fill in. And to, it, to me, I completely agree. But then you have the other side of that coin of, okay, so they make that trade. Yeah. So is that potentially top four defenseman, is he now a healthy scratch? Or are you now going to scratch John Merrill, who you just gave a three-year extension to? Are you going to scratch Dmitry Kulikov, who has another year left on his contract, create a rift in that way? Do you scratch Alex Goligoski, who, you know, you're originally like, yeah, we're going to bring this guy in and re-sign him. Now you're not. And a guy that's been playing on your top pair, like to me, that's where it becomes interesting. Like, how do you maneuver yeah. that from a from a player right. management and a and a chemistry perspective? Like, what message does that send, um, especially to one of those three defensemen? And you know, how how are they a part of your future? Different things like that. Obviously, if you're a Goligoski type, you're probably hoping you can play yourself into a contract next year. And if you're not playing at all, um, that doesn't look great. Um, but it's just a weird situation. Um, and then again, you know, we saw what the, what the price was for Ben Sherratt, who is mm-hmm. at best, maybe like a number four. 
Um, and that fetched, you know, as we mentioned, a, a first a McBain level prospect plus an additional mid rounder. That's a steep price to pay for a guy that, as we just talked about, don't even know if he'll crack, crack the lineup upon arrival. Yeah, yeah, that definitely is kind of a pickle because I think about that too. Like, maybe it helps guys play harder for their spots, but you also don't don't want to uh, break the chemistry that you do have because at times you've seen Merrill Kulikov perform well in that third line. I mean, barring injuries, I mean, we're pretty decent there, but I guess you can't really trade on what ifs. You just kind of got to yeah. yeah, go with the, what, you know. Yeah, and the same can almost be said now at forward too. Like you just moved Nico Sturm, brought in Tyson Jost. He's no longer a scratch option as Nico Sturm had been. Um, everyone's healthy. Your top nine wings are set in with Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala, Boldy, Greenway, Felino. So you're not bringing in a top nine winger. Yeah. Um, the high-end center, maybe, if you can swing yeah. it, or like a top six, but now you're bumping either Freddie Goudreau or Ryan Hartman from basically a top six role to a fourth-line role, and then you're bumping out one of Nick Bukestead, Brandon Duhame. Um, when you've already bumped down Connor Dewar, like it's just it it's such a weird like dynamic to way of how to, what what messages that yeah. send. Um, I, I kind of feel like if we do yeah, something, it'll help weird. us now yeah. and into the future. Like yeah. it, it's yeah. not, or that if something does happen, that like one of those guys we brought up has to be involved in one way or another in the deal too, yeah. which mm-hmm. complicates things even further. Because then the other teams got to want uh, that guy back too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Russo. Uh, he said on his uh, Worst It's Now's podcast, LePanta, that, you know, a trade like the Joe's trade sometimes could be a precursor to they have some other plan where, you know, like you said, Brett, maybe one of their forwards is, you know, they have an idea if they're going to send him out the door. And, I mean, going back to the D just for a second, I mean, you could potentially trade, like, maybe like Kulikov could be traded. But, like, if you're, you know, are you really making that much of an improvement on whoever you're going right. to get? And, I mean, I think it could also just be as simple of maybe they want a better seventh defenseman than Jordy Ben there. Maybe he's not a guy because you know there has been times that Ben has played with Jared Spurgeon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, yeah, but that's that the issue, right? Answer, like, but they want the beef. That's what it seems that right. they want. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting to weigh. So, and then the other thing is Justin, as you touched on, was the goaltending, which I think the three of us would agree is to me the most pressing need. But again, mm-hmm. it comes down to if you're bringing in a goalie, you're probably sending one out, right? Um, and we know they're willing to expose Kapokak in the expansion draft. He was almost taken. But have they doubled back on that, seeing, you know, well, he was really good for us in stretches. He struggled as of late. Cam Talbot, I believe, just won his fourth straight start. Um, so then it's weighing, all right, do we want to carry three goalies potentially? Or do we want to ship one of these other two out? And if so, who? Because Cam Talbot's got a year left. He's probably not coming back after that. Kakinen probably could be a good backup for you down the road with a, you know, a Jesper Wallstead or if, you know, it comes to maybe some, you know, a, another bridge goalie for a year or two. Um, again, just the, comp, the complication of weighing, how does it fit with what you have right now being a healthy team? Yeah, I think, obviously, I mean, like you, you mentioned, Brett, with Talbot winning four of, you know, his last four games in a row or whatever. I mean, even then, I don't know. It's been fantastic, but I guess at the end no. of the day... Uh, the answer what, is what no. They... Yes, I believe but I guess, three, yeah, I think three of the point. four, he still gave up four goals, and the okay. offense just outscored. So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't think... 
I don't think, you know, Bill Graham doesn't seem to be a way to make, you know, emotional decisions or whatever, and I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, you can't let, obviously, a small sample like that completely change your mind or limit what you could do. But, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, I've seen some people, even I was listening to when LaPanta was, his argument against potentially going after goalie was that, well, it's not fixing it. It's not better than what you have. And it's like, that might be true, but at the same time, even if it's kind of, he made like a lateral move or, or brought in a guy who's maybe not, clearly better than what you have right now it's i mean you know Russo mentioned this it's kind of a psychological thing i mean we all remember devin dugnick coming in being traded for a third round pick and i think he was on his podcast the other day saying that he remembers uh, or it was lapanta i think saying that he remembers talking to chuck fletcher at the time saying you know we were just hoping to get to the first commercial break uh, tied not down by a goal or two already and i think you know i think definitely the last week some of their struggles have been that I mean, I mean, you can't tell, but you you can imagine that when you know when you just haven't really been getting very many saves, that you're kind of pressing for offense. You know, you're just there's not as much confidence in there. So, you know, I could you know I can see the argument from that point that you know if you just got even a fresh face in there, even if it doesn't cost you a lot, but you know at the same time, if you're just getting a number three and guy in there who's going to play maybe five games on the stretch, or another guy, you know, what's what's really the point? And obviously, as we you know as we've said. You know, and as Bill Garner said, he doesn't want to trade his first round pick. And I mean, even a guy is like, you know, like we've talked about in our group chat, like Mark Andre Fleury, Semin Varlamov. Like, you know, I think, you know, they're, they're both intriguing. And I think Fleury, from the standpoint of that he has playoff experience, he seems to be a really good guy in the locker room, is intriguing. But, you so know, just for either of those guys, do you want to trade a first round pick? No. For, even Varlamov, because he has, I think yeah, he has a year anybody. left on a contract. Yeah. I would consider it, but it's Maybe. a five million dollar cap hit, which I believe would be, it's I tough. think, is almost two and a half million more than what Talbot's making. Yeah. And then it's on tough. top of that, so if Talbot's only move now, you, in addition to paying Varlamov a million and a half more, Kakinen needs a new deal in the summer. So now your goaltending goes from, you know, basically five million total to now probably. 7 million and when you're strapped trying to sign forwards already it's a whole nother problem in that sense too so then it reverts to the rental market which Zeke to your point does it really make you that much better to me I'm out I have no interest in Marc-Andre Fleury for a first Um, he's been Mm -hmm. dreadful in Chicago goal save above expected which we've talked enough on this podcast which measures your ability to make the saves you're supposed to make Fleury's like negative 11 which is like on par with the wild goalies have it's not because of his defense it's just because he hasn't been as good this year um, could it be better in front of a different team? Maybe. But again, like, is that worth a first for a, a, a hope that it might pan out? No. Um, mm-hmm. The other names out there, like Alex Georgiev, not really an upgrade. Jonas Corposalo, not really not an upgrade, right? Like, and two, um, we talked a little bit about Elliot Friedman's article a little bit already. Another thing he mentioned last night is it sounds like Garen's kind of in the same boat of, you know, they, they kicked the tires in the goalie market, but the prices were just too steep. Um, so I, my gut says as much as I'd like them to upgrade the goaltending, I, di- I just don't see the fit at this point. And I think they're really going to put the trust in these two guys to, to step up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my gut with where we're at depth-wise, unless an injury happens like tomorrow or something, uh, knock <laughs> on wood, I feel like we're not going to do a whole lot outside of the McBain rumors. I mean, yeah, we're rumored on on a couple guys, but I feel like the price is going to be too steep for what Garen wants to do for maybe a year rental, yeah. half year, not even half a year rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough because I know a lot of people, 
you know, maybe the, the outlook has changed for the last month and the team has struggled. But obviously, you know, a lot of people still look at the fact that, you know, this is the year that you have cap space that, you know, first, the only year and, you know, three or four that you're going to actually have the freedom to do anything. I think I can understand why some people might be frustrated by, you know, you know, if all they do, if they do nothing or just add another to seventh year or whatever it is, you know, people, well, you know, obviously the next three years can be tough, but, you know, as we've talked about in this show, uh, many times, I mean, they obviously have a you know a plan for how they want to build this team, and they you know they want to have a they want to be a consistent contender, not just a one year flash in the pan. And I think, obviously, I think it's different. You have to like you know if they hadn't struggled over the last month and you know they won eight of those ten games yeah, instead, I don't think we're, even having we're this having conversation. It's a completely different thing if they're sitting at you know and f- six points behind the yeah. ass for first And honestly, place. I think. Even if they've got, if they had gotten average goaltending, I don't even think the, necessarily the whole play of the team. Like we're not even talking about the forwards, the defensemen. Yeah. If the goaltending was better, because um, you know I think there's often we try to deflect as fans. Like, well, could the defense have been better here? And we even alluded to in this show, like where things we mm-hmm. thought the defensemen could have done better to help a struggling goalie. But yeah. So for the sake of just making this a little more interesting, um, let's just kind of go over each position. Um, we'll narrow it to forward, defense, goalie, and does each name a player that we'd be interested, assuming the price is fair. I don't want to try to – we can maybe speculate a little bit of who may mm-hmm. be on the table outside of McBain or a pick or whatever. But just a player at each position that you'd be you'd open to be entertaining for um, at what the general fan would probably consider a fair price for that caliber of player. Um, so we can start in goal – um, we already kind of brought up the names, but if they were to go make the move, let's assume in this that one of Talbot or Kakinen goes back the other way and maybe some other piece B-ish level pick or prospect. Mm-hmm. Justin, we'll start with you, if you have one. Um, I, I think, I know we've talked about Flurry, but <clears throat> I think personally I, I'd go Varlamov. I mean, he seems That'd to, I mean, getting up there in age, but... You know, he's had good playoff runs, and he's still a pretty solid goaltender from what I understand. I mean, for some reason, Varlamov sticks out more than Flurry for me. So, yeah, that, that's yeah. my pick for goaltender. Zeke? Yeah, I think I think you guys probably think Varlamov is probably the best option. I mean, I don't know. I think for whatever reason, maybe it's just history. It's kind of plotting my, you know, my opinion on Flurry and all this. And I know, like you said, Rick, he hasn't been great this year. But I, for some reason, you know, I've – always been interested in him. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, they were reported to have been, you know, in the mix to maybe acquire him. And maybe it's just me remembering him playing so great in a few of those games against the wild playoffs. I mean, he's a season removed from the best too, right? Like it's not like he was, yeah, so, he was really good yeah. last year to me. He's, yeah. He's underwhelmed this year. Mm-hmm. So. so maybe it's just a little bit of the, you know, with me, it's a little bit of the, just wanted to see a guy who's been a great player on my team, but uh, I don't know for whatever reason, I just feel like the way he's performed in the playoffs is uh the way kind of attitude that he has, the kind of teammate he is. I think, he, you know, maybe it's just to be a little different, but I think uh, for me, he would be my target. Uh, but obviously, as I said, uh, only if it, uh, you know, the only way I would consider it, obviously, like you said, is if it uh, costs less than a first round pick. So, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, he's on a crappy Islanders team. His record is awful. I just looked it up <laughs> 4 12 and 2, but he's got 285 goals against average and a 912 save percentage on a, a very which bad in, team yeah, which so. again is not a whole lot different than we have so no, it's tough it's not um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm right there with Varlama, so we won't stew too much um as we've kind of much like it sounds like Aaron has poo-pooed goaltending 
Um, yeah. Let's go next to defense because in my mind, if they make a move outside of the McBain, this to me would seem to be the most likely be bringing in some sort of defenseman. I have a couple names in mind, so Zeke, we'll go to you first this time. Is there a defenseman out there? It could be any caliber mm-hmm. from a top end, you know, Jacob Chikrin to, you know, maybe just a, like as we alluded to, someone better than Jordy Ben as a seven. Is there any name out there that, you know, says, yeah, I'd be all right if they went after this guy? Yeah, well, I think uh, just quickly to, you know, you mentioned Chikrin. I think Tony from the 10K ranks, he wrote an article on that a few years ago. I think it doesn't sound like that's something that's going to happen. But, you know, with his cap hit at $4 million for another four years and his age, he could be, you know, we've I think, Brett, you were saying on Twitter sometime that if they're going to imp- make a change to their D this year or, or in the offseason, that, you know, actually getting a legitimate top four guy in there might be a better way to go. So obviously, but I don't think that's going to happen. But if we're yeah. talking more realistic, yeah, I like, think. Here's what I'll say. And. And why yeah. chicken probably won't happen. Um, if it could happen, maybe in the summer. Um, but I think the summer. only way a chicken deal works is if Matt Dumba goes back the other way. Which uh, yeah, one if Arizona? Why would you do that when you can probably get young assets? Um, mm-hmm. And two, it won't happen this year because the Wild aren't going to trade their assistant captain in Matt Dumba at the trade deadline. It's just it's not going to happen. So yeah, and. For the, I completely agree with that, but I think for other guys, I mean, you know, you sent a, you sent just kind of a random list of guys on there. I mean, there could be players we haven't even thought of, obviously that you know that they're considering. But uh, I don't know how great Susie has been in Seattle this year, but it seems he's obviously a bigger guy. You know, had some success when he was here with the Wild, I think. But you know, obviously, again, cost. But it seems you know he's maybe a guy that would intrigue me. But, but again, you know, like we talked about in our segment earlier, it's it's kind of hard to imagine you know any of these guys coming in and not playing or taking another guy out that's in the lineup and not playing but i, I think he would out of the names i've kind of thought of he probably interests me the most justin i actually have a couple names written down and i don't know if they're names i've been mentioned like no rumors nothing just names that mm-hmm. caught my eye a little bit uh, i wrote down damon severson from uh, new jersey it's probably too steep considering what Sherat. um mm-hmm. Yeah, was given in return, but he's got like four point one million one year left next year, which if it's maybe, a maybe that's bottom, a potential off season move, right? Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I doubt that happens. I mean, he's having a pretty decent season in New Jersey. But the the guy that another guy that kind of caught my eyes, Mark Pissick from uh, Buffalo. I mean, his numbers don't really jump out at you. I mean, he has a pretty even plus minus on a shitty Buffalo team. Um, he's solid in his own zone limiting opportunities and uh good at moving the puck would add to our probably bottom six depth so and he's on his last year's contract it was like a nine hundred thousand dollar contract so i don't know probably not likely but a name that i threw out i'm gonna throw out there yeah the there's kind of two names for me um the first one and it was, was brought up to me yesterday um by a friend of the pod, Alex Micheletti, um, who threw on the name Luke Shen. Um, and I forget where he is. He in is he in Philly? Vancouver. Vancouver? Yeah, one of yeah. someone that's like kind of been a fringe playoff team. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. When I first kind of read the name, I was like, ah, kind of out. And then I look. The underlying numbers are decent, and I think if you're really looking for an upgrade on your seventh D, who doesn't displace one of those other guys, I think he's the right fit for mm-hmm. that. Um, and he's a guy that I don't think, um, I think it was, 
might have been Saravalli mentioned that his price may have gone up given what Sherratt just got, but I don't think he has a reputation of munching minutes quite like Sherratt has in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's more where that price came from on Sherratt is just a guy that played top pair minutes in the Stanley Cup final last year um, with Shea Weber, who carried his ass. Um, but we've seen what <laughs> playing a ton of minutes in the playoffs, <clears throat> Seth Jones, Seth Jones <laughs> can do to your, <laughs> to your value. Um, and I don't think Shen quite has a reputation, so I don't think he'd fetch that, but you know, maybe if you can, maybe you get a second for Jack McBain, then maybe you flip a second or you're more up to flipping a third, um, or something mm-hmm. for a guy like Luke Shen. Um, the other name I'll bring up, and I don't know if there's any interest at all here. Um, but we talked at the hop about, you know, a guy like Tyson Jones, where you're bringing in a young guy with you know, a lot of potential there. Um, Travis Dermott in Toronto, has just been kind of roadblocked, um, hasn't really seen much of an opportunity. And if, you know, this the wild team, you know, if this is a team that maybe forecasts losing Dumba, um, and you need their option with Addison, um, I think they're kind of similar guys, but a guy that can play either the left side or the right side. Um, younger player, hasn't really found it in Toronto, um, but I believe a guy that was a higher round draft pick. So just kind of a an opt if you want to take a flyer on someone. Um, does he help you more than like an Addison or a Ben? I, I don't know. But it's a name I wanted to kick around there. I was like, eh, again, kind of a guy's like, oh, if they trade for that guy, I'm very with that. Um, again, comp, I probably wouldn't be giving up more than a third or something for that, but yeah, I think what I've, uh, you know, from reading some Toronto stuff on him in the past, it seems to be that he's, uh, I guess I haven't looked too deep into it, but there's a lot of people that complain about some of his defensive mistakes. So I wonder if he's more of an offensive guy mm-hmm. or is, but I mean, like you said, Brett, uh, you, you know, you're just, like you mentioned, bringing up just a guy in need of a scenery change. So exactly. And then last but not least, um, we'll talk briefly about forwards. Um, but again, like I, unless they're going to trade Freddie Goudreau or Ryan Hartman, which Doubt it. there's no way that's no. happening. Um, I, I don't know where a forward fits in right now with, with the acquisition of Jost. Um, but um, if, if there were a forward out there, I guess um, – who would it be and what would be your pitch to make it work? Um, either one of you two can start because I honestly, go, I, I don't yeah. know yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Justin, you might have you on mute. Justin, can hear you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I put it on mute. Uh, keep, keep it <laughs> I actually made my uh, microphone, so I'm not sitting talking <laughs> to myself. Um, I have a couple guys that I have listed okay. that are probably not likely, but they're on teams that have been mentioned as interested in McBain. So, okay. but uh, one name I've listed is Andrew Cop from New uh, Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he plays the pen- power play, plays the penalty kill. We've seen both those be absolute crap for us. So yeah, I wonder how Felino would feel um, about that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's right, true. that's the guy he, that he need in the head, right, and got in the scratch. Maybe right? they'd become buddies top? or something. Yeah. Be a nice formidable duo, that's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, he can play center or wing. He's responsible at both ends of the rink. He plays with grit. Um, and it sounds like it's a guy Winnipeg has really torn on what to do with. Yeah, kind of given where they're right. at. You know, coach's kid on top of that too. Which yeah, hey, that's mm-hmm. part of the business. I'm, I'm sure that right. both of them knew going into it is like his problem is going to last forever. But yeah. one of us is going to be out of here. Yeah, but. yeah, he's. On the last year of his contract, so it would more than likely be a rental unless he wanted to sign here. He, like a three point one six million dollar contract, but it would be 
less than that coming over, I that, think. That's a good one. That's one I didn't think of. That's a good one, though. Yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know. I think for me, I'll just go over a couple. Obviously, we, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, in the group chat the other day about the Christian Dvorak thing, you know, about how I think it was Nick Terhar on Twitter brought it up that, you know, obviously, like just said, with the interest in McBain and all this, could there be a potential fit there? And obviously, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Elliot Friedman, you know, said in his 32 thoughts and on the Jeff Merrick show yesterday that, you know, they liked the player and that uh, they showed interest when he, before he was traded to Montreal, uh, that, you know, that maybe there's a fit there. But, you know, obviously he has, I think he's on under contract for another three or four years at like four and a half. So maybe that's you know not as much fit right now for some of the reasons Brett said. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, I think the wording player, was like it's not. A, yeah. yeah, and I yeah, yeah and that's what he said. Like the fit wasn't there right now was kind of how he worded it. So it didn't yes. seem like they've completely punted on it. But as far as a deadline deal, it didn't seem very likely. Yeah. No. Yeah, but I think you know I think he just came back from injury tonight after being out with a head or neck injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, hasn't had a great year in Montreal, but he Nobody was has. when he was playing. <laughs> When he was playing, uh, most of the guys on that team that are good have been a lot better under Marty St. Louis, so I guess mm. we'll see there. And I think the other guy for me is another Winnipeg guy in, uh, in Paul Stastny, who is, I believe, 36. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we kind of talked about him a little bit last summer. Yeah, as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, this year he's got 17 goals, 31 points in 50 games. is 58% on face-offs, which... You know, despite, I think, us in this show generally, uh, you know, not thinking is a huge deal. Obviously, you know, they you know do need to improve maybe just internally on that. But obviously, you know, he's a bit older on 36. But I think, you know, I like just mentioned with, uh, with with the other guy from Winnipeg, uh, I think you said cop, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think, you know, like they've kind of been struggling back and forth. And, you know, they could potentially be a seller at the team, you know, who knows. But I think... Uh, I think Stastny has been, you know, he's been, he's a pretty much career, like 55% face-off guy. He's been, even though he's not like the star that he once was, he still scores a decent amount. And, you know, if the Wilds were looking to, you know, upgrade at the middle six uh, at center, that could be a potential fit. But, you know, as, you know, as we've said, it's kind of taking a grain of salt to all these guys because it's, you just don't know who they would even replace. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I mean, that was kind of like i said i I just i don't know what to do at four i didn't even like look hard i i I don't know what to do i don't even know what to think what billy's thinking so it's been hard for me to even guess um Mm -hmm. like the only way for me in my mind where i can even maybe see something work is kind of speaking just a little bit to you said is if they get a player in a mcbain deal and then is maybe someone like uh you know maybe is it a an adam beckman or a carson lambos or maybe like a connor dewar like, is it another one of those more, like, mid-level prospects? Um, if you're bringing in someone a little more legit, maybe like a Dvorak. But, again, like, does that work at the deadline? Um, I don't know. So, um, yeah. I do have another name written down. Yeah, sure. Bring him up. You can steal mine. Yeah. I'm going um, I'm to phone a friend. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you can still use this time to think if you want. Nah, but... phone a friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, this guy's on Arizona who has been rumored – for McBain as well. I don't know what the cost would be, but Lawson Kraus is another name I writ- wrote, have written down. I mean, he's more of a wing, I believe though. Right. Yeah. I, I, he's listed as left wing. I yeah. mean, oh, which cool. is, you know, probably not going to happen, but uh 1.5 million cap hit. I mean, he 10 to 15 goals per season plays physical. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
probably not likely. Just a couple guys that I'm, I'm throwing out yeah, there, so. hoping shit hits the wall or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's it for our for our primer. Like we said, it's just given the roster being healthy right now and seemingly like players to fill roles, it's very hard to predict what Billy might have up his sleeve. Um, reading between the tea leaves, it doesn't sound like they're completely done. Um, we know McBain's coming. It sounds like there could be some exploration of other things. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, these next 48 hours, by the time most of you are listening to the show, I think will probably probably determine what goes on. Obviously, if there's a significant injury of some sort against Chicago tomorrow, hoping that doesn't happen. Um, that changes everything, potentially. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, but, yeah. Um, this has been a longer show, but trade deadline shows, draft shows on this podcast tend to be the longer shows. It tends to be the ones you guys like to hear our thoughts on. So we give it extra good stuff to, to digest and you've got a whole weekend to, to listen to it before Monday. So, um, hopefully that's enough time for you to, to squeeze in an hour and a half, but, um, we'll wrap up here with, uh, final thoughts, Justin. Not really anything off the top of my head. Just uh, hoping for a, a good week against teams that we should beat at the time. I mean, mentioned as them being trap games, but with, uh, like we mentioned, with Chicago possibly trading a few guys away, Vegas decimated, this would be a good time to pile some points on the standings here. Get some separation yeah. from, from yeah. those teams chasing them and the teams that they're chasing too, like St. Louis. Yes. Yeah, for sure. He- yeah, I don't know. I think. Yeah, just for me, obviously, just kind of echo what Justin said, but also, uh, you know, I, I mean, Friedman says this pretty much every one of his thirty his columns this time of year. You know, you know, things could change within a day. Like yeah. even without injuries, there could be just one phone call. Obviously, you know, it'll change. So, like you said, Brett, uh, this, you know, this should be interesting. Even just not from a Wild fan perspective, but uh, even just as a hockey fan perspective, obviously, with you know the stretch run, teams gearing up. Uh, you, you know, it's always just fun to see what happens, even though. The NHL isn't quite as exciting with its trades as per se the NBA is. Uh, it's still intriguing things could happen, and obviously, you know, who knows? Even by even could just set the seed uh, or plant the seed for things uh, to happen in the offseason potentially too. But yeah, no, it should be should be a fun week, and obviously with you know the six or seven home games still up in this homestand coming from the Wild, uh, it'd be like you guys mentioned, it's a pretty much perfect opportunity to. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, win a majority of those and, you know, really instead of just going back and forth playing good, but hopefully get start to get on a little bit of a roll again. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I'm watching for. I, I think we've kind of yet to see them kind of string together two mm-hmm. solid games back to back. We've seen some good ones here and there. Um, we talked about the Columbus game being a better effort. Obviously the Rangers game a couple weeks ago was very mm-hmm. good. Last night was very good. But we've yet to see them kind of string together multiple games where the, the 60 minute effort has been there. Um, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the grief squad. Um, I want, I was going to pull up kind of just their collective stats for the last couple of games, but it seems like they've kind of returned to form in terms of doing what they do best. And that seems to really be helping and creating opportunities for these other lines. Um, I'm curious to see just holistically what shakes out in the trade market. Cause it seems like nothing could happen, but at the same time, also everything could happen here um, in terms of who gets moved and who doesn't. So curious to see how that all pans out. Um, some good rivalry games with Chicago and Vegas, who are probably my two least favorite teams. So hoping the Wild <laughs> put the beat down on those teams. But um, you know, as we've talked about plenty on this show, it's it's a fun time right now to be to be a, a hockey fan. And at this point right now, given everything that's going on between 
NCAA basketball, hockey, NCAA hockey, baseball coming back, football for agency. Like it is a great time to be a sports fan. Mm-hmm. So just going to sit back and enjoy what should be a very exciting weekend across all the sports, honestly. Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Well, that'll wrap up today's show. So as we always do, uh, we'll wrap up here with uh, reminding everyone where they can find uh, you and your work. Justin, you first, man. Uh, you can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with Kaprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Uh, you can find me, as usual, on Twitter at Zeke Boyett. And you can find my work at TinkerRanks.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at SoundTheFogHorn. All one word. Uh, before our next episode, it'll be busy. Um, I believe NCAA Hockey Selection Show, NHL Trade Deadline, Wild Games against Vegas and Chicago. So there should be plenty to talk about when Ryan Carter um, joins the podcast next Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Keep an eye out Monday afternoon um, for tweets about uh, submitting questions for Carter answers. So start brainstorming those. Uh, but other than that, that'll do it for us. Back with you again Wednesday next week. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.